Welcome, church. We're so glad you're here. Please stand, greet each other, and we'll continue with worship. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, O oh my soul, worship His holy name. Sing like never before, O oh my soul, I worship Your holy name. 
Lord, I thank you that you do hold my hand. And um, you are good. We can trust you. And Lord, forgive us when we don't. When we do things in our own strength and in our own power. And uh, we try to control our lives, Lord. And help us to just continue to trust in the goodness and the love of you. They who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. The Lord is my strength and my song, and he has become my salvation. This is my God, and I will praise him. My Father's God, and I will exalt him. Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and will not be afraid. For the Lord God is my strength and my song, and he has become my salvation. The Lord is my strength and my shield. In him my heart trusts, and I am helped. My heart exalts, and with my song I will give thanks to him. As soon as I pray, you answer me. You encourage me by giving me strength. They sweep past like the wind and are gone, but they are deeply guilty, for their own strength is their God. Lord, may our strength be in you alone, not in ourself or others, but a deep trust in your love and spirit working in our lives and in our midst. Strength arises, we wait upon the Lord. Wait upon the Lord, we will wait upon the Lord. Strength arises, we wait upon the Lord. Wait upon the Lord, we will wait upon the Lord.
morning, church. Good to see you this morning. A couple things happening that I'm excited about. want to make sure that you're aware of. Maybe have them on your calendar, and then we'll have a little bit of prayer time. Um, for the bulletin, uh, you may have noticed it was laid out a, a little bit different. Um, so last week, we had our opening discussion on rebranding. Um, should the church rebrand? Within that is also the discussion, uh, should the church rename? And so uh, last week, Willie kind of laid that out in the sermon. I would encourage you, if you missed that, to go back and listen to that. Or if other people have questions about them, direct them to that sermon. And uh, that just kind of laid the foundation for that. And moving forward, now it's just creating a lot of space for conversation and, and for you guys to talk to one another. And I'm excited to, to hear what um, all just kind of what everyone's thoughts and opinions are on that. Um, that said, we're, we're kind of having problems getting it uploaded to the website. Uh, hopefully we'll get it up. Every time Joni comes in, she tries to upload it. Uh, she was still working on it Friday. I, the hosting service is getting worse. So um, as of Friday morning, it was not up on the website, but, but we'll get it up as soon as it can uh, to those of you who don't know. So all of that as an intro um, to this, one of the things that we're doing to, in the um, conversation piece is that this little extra part of the bulletin that's perforated, we bought special paper for this, um, and it just tears right off. And then on here are rebranding discussions, primarily kind of the values-based dis discussions. And so as you guys have ideas or brainstorm or questions or that kind of thing, write them on here, tear it off, and then just drop it in the offering plate or hand it to an usher after the service or, or that kind of thing. But this is just one way to, to hear from people. So this is our new bulletin format for the next several months, uh, I guess, until we run out of this paper. So um, we're just we're, we're doing that for a while. So that's what's what's going on with that. Um, Tabor College Choir is coming through in a couple weeks, and uh, we're very excited about that. That'll be a Friday night. And um, talk to Charlene if you're interested uh, in hosting some students or, or uh, helping out in some way. Uh, very excited about that. They're a very good choir. They're going to do a concert here. I think this is their first stop on the tour. And then they'll stay with host families. Uh, host families will serve them breakfast, and then they'll head out. Charlene, are we still looking for hosts, or are we taken care of? We're taken care of. Disregard, like the last 15 seconds. Um, but you should come to the concert and invite all your friends. Um, community Easter Egg Hunt Kindness Project. Um, a, a little bit of background on that. So there's kind of two things that, that have, are merging on that. One is that we're, as a church, we're always asking the question, how do we just remind people in the community, hey, Jesus just really loves you a lot. You know, like how do you just either tell that to him for the first time or remind that of people if maybe they've forgotten? Well, one of the community events that happens here is the Easter egg hunt, um, primarily for kids. And I, if, if you've been to that, it's amazing. Like there is so much um, like just candy and loot. Uh, for all the, like, the newbies are so cute. They show up with, like, a one-gallon bucket, and then all the experienced moms, like, there's the one-gallon bucket, and then they have a garbage bag, and then the kids will do, like, multiple laps. Like, it's just, it's amazing. So, anyways, but all the, all the treats and that kind of stuff are for the, the kids. And so, what we're going to do this year is we're going to, we talked to Tanya, we're going to set up a, a kind of a booth or a stand, and it's a cold out. We're going to have hot drinks for the parents and 
the moms and the dads, and if it's hot out, did I get that right? If it's cold, we'll have hot drinks, and if it's hot, we'll have cold drinks. Whatever, you, you can figure it out. So um, we're going to do something like that and uh, just give away some, some water, some pop, and some hot chocolate. There's a sign-up sheet back on the table if you would be interested in helping out with that. And uh, it's just another way for us, too, to say, you know, Easter's a big deal. And in Easter, we receive so much. And so this is an opportunity for us to give to others because we have received so much. It's a very small thing. Um, but just to get that message out to say, hey, Easter's wonderful. We receive. Let us give to you this Easter. So uh, that's going to be coming up as, as well, too, here pretty soon. Uh, Timberlake Camp is going to be here next Sunday. They're, they're going to do a little uh, kind of slide in a promo. They're also going to be at Wednesday night, the following Wednesday. We're excited about that. Uh, a reminder that Daylight Savings Time is March 11th. So it's very possible we'll have some people showing up late or earlier that kind of thing. So be gracious with the people, but uh, don't forget to, to invite them. Um, other bulletins, uh, other announcements in the bulletins, uh, would encourage you to check those out as well, too. Let's have a word of prayer, and then we'll have our time of offering. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your grace. And Lord, the many ways that you express that grace to us. And Lord, today as we get ready to look at your word, God, we're just looking at another way that you have extended grace to us in the form of Christ, in the form of your son, in the person of Jesus. God, thank you for this text. God, thank you for opportunities to remind the community that Jesus loves them, that you love them deeply and dearly, more than they know. And that in Easter, we receive so much and so we want to give to so many others. God, thank you for showing us your grace in this text and for your faithfulness to us. We're just so sermon series called I Love My Church, 
And uh, as part of that, I've asked different people if they would be willing to share a little bit on why they love that church. And so if you were one of those people that was sharing today, one just ducked out. Um, <laughs> probably going to the bathroom. I don't know. Um, but yeah, if you would go ahead and start working your way forward, uh, Ryan can join us when he comes back. Um, but I just, um, for this whole sermon series, just wanted to spend a little bit of time, create a space um, for you guys to just hear from one another. Why why do you love this church? Um, what, what's your history? What, what's your involvement of this church? This church has a lot of rich heritage and uh, just excited to, to have you guys hear from one another. And so uh, I've asked them to answer three basic questions. One is, how long have you been a part of this church? Two is, uh, what's something that, that you love or appreciate about this church? And then third is that if you have a, a hope or a dream for the future of this church, what would it be? And um, so I, I don't know what they're going to say. They've not been coached uh, like me. I'm hoping it's positive, but we'll see. And um, yeah, I just wanted to hear from you guys. Ryan, I'll, I'll go for it. Yeah, yeah, you can. <laughs> I had to take notes. <laughs> kind of a funny story this morning with uh, with a couple that just love the church and the way they came to the realization that uh, we got to go back to you. <laughs> so that's that's how we ended up here. We came to you. <laughs> that was how we decided to move back to Boise. Is we became members last year, moved here last year, and then came back. So <laughs> I I long for a church that bounded my feet physically. appreciate that it's a group that I can identify with and grow with. Um, Yeah, I think that was really important for me because I'm not completely clueless tonight. And so just having a group of people that I can identify with and grow with and love has been really helpful for me. Uh, I got to mirror everything they said. Uh, this church, one of the things that I value the most is how everybody, everybody cares for everybody else. It seems like everybody gets along. Everybody, there's no clicks, I guess. Uh, I wrote, the family environment that is embodied here, the songs we sing, the sermons are real life, and I feel like I can relate to many of them. Uh, and that I feel that way every Sunday when I come here. So, And then on question three, which right. was what? Uh, if you had a, a hope or a dream for the future of the church, what yeah. would it be? So my hope for the future of this church is I, I hope for it to grow and flourish, but still stay the family-type environment that is cur- it currently has and does well, making everyone feel welcome and cared for. Um, I, that's one thing that I really hope never goes away. So I would really love to see the benches filled like they used to be when I first became a member and uh, have younger, lots of younger people come also. I would like the MB Church to be known for, like, transformation. And so this morning I was thinking about that and, like, what it meant. And I was just had this mental image of just people um, seeing, like, 
I don't know, as you're traveling down the road, you may see, like, trash or, like, in my eyes, it was, like, sin, like, being left behind, but people working and on this constant movement, movement towards the Lord. And so I would hope that, yeah, people would see transfer, transformation from our church, and then that would point them to Jesus. Awesome. Thank you, guys. I'm looking forward to more of uh, hearing from more people about that. So on March 15 of this year, uh, Joanne and I get to celebrate our 10-year wedding anniversary, which in this group is kind of uncommon just because most of you are like north of 40. Um, so I realize that, that we are in the minority um, but, you know, we're still excited about it, and we're, yeah, we're excited to, to celebrate 10 years together. Uh, it was interesting, I was, um, yeah, just kind of reminiscing, reflecting on that, uh, and we, like, we had a great wedding. I know everyone always says that, but I just, I, I thought we had a great wedding ceremony, I loved it. Uh, my dad officiated, some of you were here a few weeks ago when, when he spoke, but he did a great job, and... Uh, one of the reasons why I think I can say that we have a great wedding is because our wedding photographer, who is a very seasoned gal and had done uh, many, many, many weddings, she said it was the only second wedding that she had ever cried at. And uh, probably that was partly just dad. She never really explained why. We assumed it was for good reasons. Um, I think, though, partly it was just dad's presentation. I mean, he just kind of had everyone in tears by the end, myself included. And you're trying not to make a scene up there, but... Um, it was great, and, and you know, the, the groomsmen, like just dear friends who had uh, literally come in like coast to coast. One had moved out and was living by Washington, D.C., somewhere in the Vancouver area. One was in Kansas City, so they just kind of all came in for that. Uh, Joanne's bridesmaids, I mean, these were people that, uh, you know, she just met all over the world and were just dear friends to her. And so it was just, it, it was a really great time. Lots of good friends, lots of socializing, that kind of thing. Um, and so I, I was reminiscing on that and, and also just kind of thinking about this week's sermon. And, but one of the things that, that I kind of realized is that, you know, in, in our marriage vows, we commit to one another, right, till death do us part. And that's really probably kind of the most famous part of a, of a wedding, or at least our wedding ceremonies, that, that line, for richer, for poor, and sickness and health, to love and to cherish till death do us part. And I was reflecting on it of all the ways that a couple shows love to one another or can show love to one another, right? Whether it be words, uh, words of, uh, of affirmation or of romance, um, touch, um, acts of service, um, uh, intimacy, all different kinds of things, right? At the wedding ceremony, it is really the commitment that takes center stage, so at our wedding, the, the commitment is how we show the world our love for one another. And I, that just was just kind of interesting to me. Of all the ways that we could show love, the one that we put on display for all the world to see is the commitment aspect. Uh, in the first few years, so, so today we're talking about membership. Uh, and church membership under this banner of I love my church. And in the first few years of being here, I really didn't, didn't talk about membership much. Uh, it was something that I was still trying to, to figure out personally. I just really hadn't 
really kind of delved into it, so I had a lot of learning to do. Um, and also, I, I have been told that there was a little bit of history around membership and to just be, be cautious, be sensitive around the issue, and I was glad to do that, wanted to, to honor that, and of course, I still had plenty of learning. But we embarked on, but when we embarked on this sermon series, I Love My Church, and I was working through the different topics, I realized pretty quickly that, that membership really needed to be one of these topics. Because membership is one of the ways that we love our church. Uh, it's one of the aspects of membership, or, or one of the aspects of membership is that I'm committing myself to a local group of believers, and in that commitment, I express love for them. And so all that today, we're, to say we're talking about membership, and uh, pretty excited about it. But, but remember this, as we go through this, this is one of the, just the key ideas. It is love for the local church that has driven us to discuss church membership. That's very important. The reason we're talking about this today is that this commitment to local church through the public act of membership is one of the ways that we show love to our local church. So, where in Scripture do we get the idea of membership or of local church membership? And um, it's kind of interesting because, as some people may point out, the Bible never actually tells us to join a local church. Um, it, it's like there is no verse about church membership. It, it's kind of interesting, you know, and, and people who, you know, who might be opposed to church membership would be like, well, there's no verse about it. Well, yeah, they're, they're actually totally right. There's no one verse that says you should do church membership. Like that verse just doesn't exist. Membership is never named in Scripture. Um, but, just let me also say this, um, there is no place in Scripture where Jesus says the phrase, I am God. And there's no place in Scripture that specifically outlines the Trinity. But in all three of these, we believe them because there's such overwhelming evidence throughout Scripture. One of the reasons why I think even we've gotten a little bit confused on this is the word membership and the interchange of the words between member and membership. And they seem pretty similar, right? Like there's only a ship's difference between the two, right? But they're actually drastically, drastically different. The reason that we use the word member really probably comes out of 1 Corinthians 12. In 1 Corinthians um, uh, 12, Paul is writing... And he's using the human body as an analogy for the church. He says this in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12, For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of the one spirit. Later on in verse 27, uh, now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. So from so this is where we get the idea that I am a member of something. But our North American mind has shifted from I am a member of something to I have membership in something. And our imagery around membership is dominated by, like, gym membership, magazine membership, 
country club membership, four-wheel jeeping club membership, like that kind of thing. So when Paul uses the body analogy, he's describing something of deep commitment and deep interdependence, something where we truly need one another. Um, My hand, okay, is not like this flippant thing that sort of shows up three times a week when it's in the mood, right? Like, on the contrary, it is a very critical part of my life. And if it's not functioning or if it's missing, like, I have a problem. Like, like I have issues, right? Like, some of you, you know, like, like, you have body parts and organs that are not working like they used to, you know? And it's creating problems. And so you're going to specialists and seeing doctors and traveling to other states and taking special meds, doing special exercises, because you're desperately wanting, you know, that heart or or those lungs or that liver or that nervous system or those bones, you know, to to get back into the game like they used to be. There's this deep sense of interdependence. I mean, what would our Sunday mornings be like if all those, you know, gifted in music and worship were like, meh, once a month's good for me, you know? Or like several of you have been involved in kids ministry. If just our whole kids ministry gifting section was like, we're going on strike, we're done. I mean, imagine a church with just like no good administration people, like that's that's the circus, you know, or people acting out of mercy or homes of hospitality. The term member, as it pertains to parts of the body, is a good illustration for us. But in many ways, I think that the casual definition of membership, like I would almost call that really unbiblical and unhelpful because it's too light. Uh, it's too soft. It does not carry the weight or the commitment or the solidarity that we see expressed in Scripture. And so, you know, people may say, well, I'm reluctant about membership in a local church. And, and I could easily say, yeah, that's a bad idea because membership is too soft of a word. Like, we actually need a deeper, strong, like, like, we're, like we're looking for imagery of like welded together, not I went to the gym three times this week and... Maybe I'll skip next week because I went three times this week and I was so good about it, right? The, the, the standard average kind of guy on the street definition of membership uh, is, is uh, just too lenient for what we're trying to talk about. So the church uses the word membership, but really we're looking for something much deeper. But so, so where do we get this idea of just local church membership? I mean, where does that even come from? Um, you know, in scriptures we see the early church definitely modeling uh, local gatherings, and commitment in those gatherings. Uh, Christianity was always done in community. We see the followers of Christ belonging to like these certain defined gatherings in a certain place and, and a certain time. Early on, like in the book of Acts, we, we see the believers gathering around the temple. Later on, um, they, they scatter. And actually, most of the New Testament letters, or, or, or the, the epistles, the books of the Bible, like they are letters written by one person to a local group of uh, believers um and, and you know this local group had structure and rules and they received instruction they were under leadership and they contributed to one another one of the reasons that we know um that believers were organized in in these little groups comes from hebrews thirteen seventeen, and it talks about leadership in the local church 
And here's what it says. Uh, Hebrews 13, verse 17. Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls, as those will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not groaning, for uh, that would be of no advantage to you. Um, I had like a page and a half of material on this whole as those who have to give an account, um, but I cut it out just for time. But the whole notion that I will have to stand before God and in some way give an account for you all, like, just help me out here, okay? Um, That's terrifying. Like, they don't put that on the brochure for do you want to be a pastor, okay? Um, There's just a lot of weight to that. But I'm going to skip that just for the sake of time, but know that that part just kind of terrifies me at times. Just help a guy out, all right? But the, the first part of this, obey your leaders, submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your, over your souls. So this raises a couple interesting questions. So as a church member, like, who exactly am I accountable to? Like, who am I supposed to obey? Like, if this verse is true, like, is every church leader someone that I have to listen to? Like every pastor in Henderson, every pastor in York, every governing board in Henderson, every deacons committee in York County, in all of Nebraska. I'm watching TV. Some guy says he's a church leader. He tells me to do something. Like, am I just supposed to do all that? Or is it, is it something more local? Uh, is it a group of people that I've committed myself to? Um, as a leader, same set of questions. Like, who exactly am I responsible for? Like, I mean, is it every Christian around the globe, every Christian in Nebraska, uh, or is it a local statement? Only those where we have kind of this mutually committed relationship. Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls. Everything about this suggests some kind of local reference, uh, that we have localized believers gathered together under clearly identified uh, leader, team of leadership, and there's some kind of mutual accountability that, that's been established. Uh, so in Hebrews, we see the admonition for um, local believers to be locally organized with local leadership. When you take that into the next, um, fur- next step further, <coughs> excuse me, a bit of a chest cold. Um, in 1 Corinthians 5, and this is kind of on the same vein, but in 1 Corinthians 5, we kind of have this awkward, intimidating section around church discipline. Um, there's a gentleman in the church. He's misbehaving pretty badly. Uh, and he is refusing all previous forms of correction. And so Paul writes really strong words on how to deal with this gentleman. Um, verse 2, let him who has done this be removed from among you. Uh, verse 5, you are to deliver this man to the Satan for the destruction of the flesh, so that his spirit might be saved in the day of the Lord. Um, verse 9, I wrote to you not to associate. Uh, verse 11, but now I am writing to you not to associate with anyone who bears the name of brother, if he is guilty of, of all these things, purge the evil person from among you. A uh, very strong language, a uh, language that a, a lot of us honestly would find very un- uncomfortable. Now, one thing I do want to remind you, though, like, th- this is last resort, okay? What Paul is talking here, it only comes after a very long, grace-filled, loving pursuit 
of that person. All right? That said, if there is a putting out, it implies that there must have been a putting in. Right? Like, does that make sense? Right? Like, you're not going to, you know, sort of like purge from among you someone who's a casual attender that you have no covenant relationship with, right? Like, like there is no sting in verse 9 that not to associate with, like if you never associated with them to begin with. You know, if they're, if they're strangers or casual acquaintances. To be rejected means you were first accepted. Um, I, I actually have a, a bit of a theory on this, on this passage. Um, my theory is that the, the, these, these strong words of discipline, and again, these are only after a long and gracious plea, but it's, it's really this final phase of being put out that for some people, like this is why they avoid church membership. Um, just a theory, haven't tested this. I can't point fingers to anyone. I'm, like, I'm not subtly suggesting any of this about you, but just when, when I think of humanity and, and, and what's going on here, the, the idea that someone could ever, um, or I think, for, I think for some people, they look at this and they say, you know, that someone could ever hold that over them or, or have that kind of power or authority over them, that someone could, could kind of quote-unquote kick them out, right? Like that idea is so offensive to them that they refuse the joys and the beauty of church membership simply because they don't ever want to be in this situation or be in a situation where someone has that kind of control over them. Um, And the attitude is actually more of like a proud, independent, kind of Americanized, you don't get to tell me what to do, I ultimately have freedom, independence, to do what I want to do, attitude... And so they, they refuse kind of this commitment and this submission. And honestly, that's not really kind of a biblical mindset. That is my independence above all else. So, um, yeah, just, just kind of a, a, a theory on that. Church discipline is never meant to harm us. I was, re- I was listening to someone talk about Proverbs. He had the most beautiful insight on, on Proverbs. Uh, but he made the comment, he goes, restrictions bring life. And maybe we need to, to clarify that healthy restrictions bring life. Um, the point of Proverbs and other verses like this, the, the, the point is not our slavery. It's our freedom from the things that would enslave us. So um, church, church discipline is never meant to harm us. It, it is meant um, really to free us from the things that, that would enslave us. <clears throat> All that to say, when you have a group of local believers who are organized under local leadership, when you have a discipline protocol in place, it, it tells us that these people were in strong, covenant, committed relationship to one another. And the best vocabulary we have today is membership. And I kind of wish we had a different word that didn't have so much kind of already meaning to it, but, but that's kind of uh, where we're at. New Testament, um, they have leadership, they have have the the, the extreme scenario of church discipline. Between those, they they have all these amazing examples that we see in Scripture of local believers being accountable for different stuff. Uh, In Acts 6, there's this dispute amongst uh, food distribution to the widows. 
And in that scenario, it was the responsibility of the church body, not the leaders, but the church body to recommend seven men to take charge of that. Well, okay, that that begs the question, like, who got to be part of that discerning body? Like, like who got to vote? Who, Who got to speak into this nomination process? Was it just any Christian walking down the street? Probably not. Like, it's, it suggests that there was a local group of believers who were accountable to one another. Um, Galatians 1, uh, uh, Paul is scolding the church. They've been listening to a gospel that is not, not Christ-centered. And, and in that, he is holding the local church accountable to shut up anyone who isn't speaking the, the true gospel. Uh, even back in 1 Corinthians 5, the church discipline issue, it is the local church, not the individual, it's the local church, who is held accountable for defining church membership. Uh, Acts 13, it's the local church that's accountable for discerning, sending out missionaries. And all that begs this question, who are you and I accountable to? Who is our life committed to? What what body, what gathering of believers are we committed to, to being with? Uh, in any relationship, uh, as always, the, the commitment needs to, to go um, both ways. Um, one of the books that I read uh, in research uh, for this was really fascinating. I would encourage it to you. It's called Church Membership, a thin little blue book by uh, like this. Um, he had an interesting idea that, that I want to share with you. You know, as Christ followers, one of the, the descriptions that, you, that gets used in Scripture is actually that of citizenship. And that is probably a better definition for this than, than membership. But, but he really kind of goes on this word citizenship. And, of course, we get that from the idea that we are ambassadors for Christ. And so um, Jesus talked a lot about kingdom. We're described as ambassadors. Lots of, lots of good citizenship metaphors. When you travel to a foreign country uh, anymore, you need to take a passport with you. And, it, and the passport... What the passport is, is actually proof to a foreign country that your home country, like, like knows you and honors you and accepts you. That, that, that your home country accepts you as their, their, their home country. That is what a passport is. Um, a passport is proof to another country of your home citizenship. Church membership is, in many ways, is kind of like a passport in that in membership, a local group of Christians make a public statement that this person is a fellow Christian alongside of us. Membership is a public affirmation that you are a Christ follower. For Mennonite brethren, uh, this manifests itself in different ways. We require baptism for membership. Baptism is, is a public proclamation of the world that you have decided to follow Jesus. Uh, it's very important to us that visible signs of spiritual growth be in your life. I mean, how can you say you're a follower of Christ, but your life after Christ is identical to your life before Christ? Like, what's going on there? Testimony is important to us. We, we you know, you say that you have experienced Christ in some ways, like, share that story with us. We, we want to hear that. And if you're uncertain of the story, how can we be certain of the story? Uh, Testimony is important to us. If we as a local group of Christ followers can look at your life and say with confidence, you know, this person is a Christ follower, they've been changed by Jesus, 
They obey Jesus. They love Jesus. They're, they're, they're seeking to serve him. You know, they've taken necessary steps forward like baptism. If we can say with confidence, then we want to publicly affirm that. that then we want to publicly affirm you. And we do that through membership. Membership is kind of like the local church giving you a passport and saying to the world, you know, this is your proof to the world that you are one of us. Dietrich Bonhoeffer was a brilliant and remarkable leader. Uh, He was uh, killed in a concentration camp under Hitler. Uh, His resume is stunning. He was one of those brilliant people who got like a PhD, like at 20 or something like that. Uh, Just did a remarkable full life. Um, He wrote a a little book called Life Together, an Exploration of Christian Community. Uh, And and he doesn't necessarily go after membership, but just Christian community. And and he has this, I, I, I just... I want to share this with you. I found just um, just very rich and powerful on Christian community. Uh, he, he writes this. The physical presence of another Christian is a source of incomparable joy and strength to the believer. He gives some examples. Uh, longingly, the imprisoned Apostle Paul calls his delir- uh, uh, dearly beloved son in the faith, Timothy, to come to him in prison in the last day of his life. Uh, Paul remembers the tears that Timothy shed when they parted. He remembers the, the congregation in Thessalonica. He prays day and night that he might see their face. He goes on to write, he goes, The believer feels no shame, no shame, when he yearns for the physical presence of other Christians. Man was created a body. The Son of God appeared on earth in the body. He was raised in the body. In the sacraments, the believer receives the Lord Christ in the body. When we, when we take of the bread, the resurrection of the dead will bring about the, the perfected fellowship of God's um, a, a spiritual creatures. So, so we're raised in the, in the body. The believer, therefore, lauds or praises. Praises the Creator, the Redeemer, God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, for the bodily presence of a brother, the prisoner, the sick person, the Christian in exile, sees in the companionship of a fellow Christian a physical sign of the gracious presence of the triune God. But if there is so much blessing and joy in the single encounter of brother with brother, How inexhaustible are the riches that open up for those who by God's will are privileged to live in the daily fellowship of life with other Christians. And then he throws in this warning. It is true, of course, that what is an unspeakable gift of God for the lonely individual is easily disregarded and trodden underfoot by those who have the gift every day. Membership is a wonderful thing. And I think the reason that God extends community and, 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 and the whole reason that he did this, I think it was his grace, honestly. I don't think that membership is supposed to be something heavy or burdensome to us. Uh, this is not to be a weighty thing. It's not meant to be a scary or harsh thing. It's meant to be something positive, something good for us, fun for us. 
a place for us to discover, use our unique talents, abilities, spiritual giftings, a place to give, a place to receive, a place where iron sharpens iron, a place where we work together for a common cause. Jesus Christ is head of the church. And so that means that that he gets to call the shots, giving directions, helping grow, uh, giving encouragement. And we get to play a role in that, right? I mean, the, the function of a body is to fulfill the desires of the head. So if Christ is our head, then our function is to, is to fulfill the, the desires of the head. I mean, really, I could even, in, in some ways, church to me is really almost an expression of Jesus. And I know that sounds very simplistic, but, but, it, but if you look at how Jesus describes himself as the head and us as the body, when, when we do church, it's simply an expression of Jesus. And I know that all churches are different. I know that all people are different. And I know that like some people are just going to thrive better in different church environments. I get that. And I mean, if you can convince me that, that you are going to thrive in this church over here better, then I bless you, you know, to do that. Because it's ultimately what we're trying to do here is express Jesus, but do that in just in a loving, caring, uh, committed way. But we need good community and not just good sermons. A sermon will never form you in the same way that life on life with the people of God will form you. Because Jesus is good and gracious and generous, he created opportunity for transformation. And transformation happens life on life, not sermon on ears. Life on life, through the highs, through the lows, and the stretches of monotony in between. And all in the context of this messy thing called church and church membership. Uh, Is someone sinning if they're not a church member? I'm not prepared to make that statement. I don't think we have verses that would back that up. But, But I would also say it's not the pattern that we see. And that to really both receive the depth and the fullness of the benefits, but also to give the fullness of who we are, there has to be some kind of committed one another that's taking place. Membership is one of the ways that, that we get to love our local church. And so by God's grace, may we be the church and not just go to church. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much uh, for this church. God, thank you so much for this group of believers. God, thank you for the opportunity that my family has had to commit to them. And thank you for their uh, reciprocal commitment to me and my family. And God, I pray that it would be as iron sharpens iron. I pray that we would continue to encourage one another hold one another, speak truth to one another, laugh with one another, cry with one another, and fulfill your agenda, your your purposes in our community and in this world. God, the church is an extension of your grace to us. And thank you so much for it. God, all the imagery that you use in an attempt to describe to us 
what the church is. The church is a body. The church is a bride. The church is a chosen one. God, we thank you for that. Lord, every day, every day, we discover new ways that you extend grace to us. We love you, Lord. Amen. Please stand as we respond. Take my life and let it be consecrated. Oh. 